Welcome to the Challenge Chronicles. I'm Devin Jordan, and I'm with Trace Armstrong and Rob McIntyre. How are we doing, guys? It's been a minute. Yeah, I'm okay. Yeah, we are finally back after a somewhat lengthy hiatus when, in our previous episode, we covered the first four episodes of Inferno 2. Today, we plan to cover episodes 5 through 10. Um, All of us have been extremely busy, but we're happy to be back today and uh, covering episode 5 through 10, which I don't know about you guys, but I enjoyed these episodes quite a bit. I don't know if I enjoyed them as much as I enjoyed episodes 1 through 4, but there were definitely a lot of uh, there was a lot of life to them, especially compared to some of the previous seasons that we covered. But to get through the housekeeping really quick, you can find all of our episodes at our website, which is thechallengechronicles.podbean.com. You can find them on iTunes, and you can subscribe to us and download there. You can reach out to us with any listener emails at thechallengechronicles at gmail.com. And you can also buy any Challenge Chronicles paraphernalia. Trace did a phenomenal phenomenal job of coming up with some t-shirts at our t-shirt store which you can find at bigdubdiesel.com dub with two b's and you can find a challenge chronicles t-shirt a johnny rule police t-shirt and trace remind me trace remind me of the last t-shirt that you made the iconic original shirt big dub diesel how can i forget but as we move away from that what was the opinion of these episodes that we're about to talk about today? The general takeaway uh, that each of you had. Super entertaining episodes with great characters, mediocre challenges. I didn't think the missions were all that bad. Someone oh my God, Rob. Dude, Rob, <laughs> one of these, one of these, I think it's the first one. I like saw and I think I thought, this may be the worst mission in the history of the challenge. Oh, come on now. It's worse. Melodramatic. <laughs> it, it, it is worse than, uh, what is it? Like pop, pop culture bike jump. <laughs> no, no is not, it, nothing is as bad as yes, pop it culture is. bike jump. Well, pop culture even, bike jump takes like 25 minutes. It's like two thirds the episode. This one takes like, do both of you know which one I'm talking about? Well, you said the first one, right? The, the t-shirt one. Yeah. Like, they don't even explain the rules well. I don't even know what's going on. (laughs) It lasts, like, it literally lasts, like... like, It's at least a laugh. Like, it's funny to watch. It lasts, like, 60 seconds. But see, this is what I liked about these episodes, is the characters on this season are so well-defined that Dan explaining how stupid his idea was from the standpoint... Because you know they did the confessional after the challenge. So the fact that he sold all of it from an acting standpoint, like they had this brilliant idea... And then you get the follow up of how shitty it was. Like it's, I find it entertaining. Whereas pop culture bike jump, there was no point of it that was entertaining. So pop culture bike jump, yeah. Like that's one of the ones where you joke around about it, like of how bad it was. And it's like season two of Friday Night Lights. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. No, well, it's not. I feel like it's like like you know how there's some bad movies that you watch like have a laugh. Like pop culture bike jump isn't even that. It's a movie you watch, think oh it's so bad, we'll like laugh at it, and then. A third of the way through, you're just like, all right, let's let's move on here. This is this is just a waste of time. <laughs> at some point, at some point, we need to do an episode of the worst challenges, the worst missions in challenge uh, history. Uh, bike, bike jump, I think, is easily number Run one. Away. Followed up closely nope. by the terrible sit <laughs> in the fake roller coaster on the ice block for Battle of the Sexes one. <laughs> the fake. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, honestly, like this one is worse because I didn't well, even like, know well, what was well, going well, on. Even, like, are, are we, the, the roller coaster, I knew what was going on. This one, I didn't even know what the roller coaster was. Well, well, like, if we're counting all the seasons, and then there's, like, the first four seasons, there's the one where they have to prove there's ghosts in that one, like, house. No, we're not counting those. We're talking about in the history of our podcast. <laughs> the actual history of the show. I gotcha, yes. What was the, the, the Prior to Battle of the Seasons is, like, a glorified World Rules Challenge. I mean, a lot of these are, like, a glorified World Rules Challenge real talk, but... Okay. <laughs> what was the? There were some. Like, like, like there's the valet parking one in Battle of the Seasons that's just trash. Like there's there's the um, I don't even know what they called it, but like the musical chairs with the inner tubes. No, that was, that was like, incredible. Inner tube thing. Right. Because of right. Steven, that is one of the greatest challenges ever. <laughs> that's what I was going to say too. The visuals <laughs> of that thing were impossible to tell what was going on. There was too much water splashing around. Like it was just. They but see, that's also, if you remember back when we talked about that episode, we had to give it a mulligan because that, that only occurred because of the hurricane. Like they were not supposed to do something that lame, but they had to, they had a cast there. They were burning money by the day. They had to do something. So like, I get it. I, I understand, but that doesn't ex- like, it could be an excuse, but like, it doesn't change the actual quality I of still- the mission. I think it's one of the most underrated missions oh, in Challenge Hedgehog <laughs> because of Steven. I honestly, I was honestly, before you said that, I was thinking, no, I was but I, I myself about how I, much I, I love that. Oh, Jesus. I was just talking about the execution <laughs> of the mission. Not Listen, Steven like, was not able to get into the inner council. So, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I, well, every time get, I no, see he got Steven. into that episode, didn't he? I don't think he got eliminated that episode, but it no, was he like got right. in for, Didn't he get in the Inner Council that one episode and then he was launched? Well, it was the Inner Circle, which is why the Inner Council Well, well yes, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, I thought it was consulate. Well, oh, he, he, he called, said that he called too. The he, he called well, it I a think, Inner Consulate. I think you called it the Inner Council. Maybe. I, it right, depends well, on we're how much I was Let's really. move on. Let's move on. That, that'll be its own show. Fair enough. So as we get into episode five, Beth quits. That's what we start with. And the, what do you guys what, think about that? Like, what, what disappointing. Even, what was funny about it is on the previously on, they kind of give Beth a little bit of a hero's edit. They kind of like talk her up and uh, they frame what happened in episode four as Beth through the previous mission where they had to collect the money. She counted her money incorrectly and they tried to say that she did that to save herself from the Inferno. But her throwing the mission had no effect on whether or not she would be in the Inferno. No. Yeah. Jay is just in her spiting the team. Yeah. So, Beth, like, her excuse of, like, I don't feel safe here. Like, I think the narrative that I was trying to push there, though, is that just the, all, the whole team hates each other, which is, you know, they kind of try to, especially the girls on the team all hate each other, which is what they try to push throughout the yeah. season. And there was no one sad to see Beth go. Like, I, Brad's commentary was hilarious. He's like, you're old, get a job, you know? <laughs> Well, Karamo seems somewhat disappointed because now he's the outcast on the team. And the girls in reality should have been disappointed because now they all have to go into eliminations. Brad had had a really funny quote. So after Beth quits and everyone kind of sends her off, there's a group of people that, I don't know if it's later that night or some night in the days that followed, uh, gathered around the hot tub. And Brad said, quote, when she came running in, (laughs) when she came in running her mouth like that, I was like, who is this old lady? (laughs) (laughs) Brad has some incredible quotes. Brad, Brad's got some good, yeah. Brad's a good drunk. Brad in this season is awesome. And what's, what's even weirder too is like Dan floating in an inner tube in the hot tub. Like I could not understand how that was comfortable. We also in this 
And I didn't think about it before I started to watch these episodes, but as I started to watch the episodes, I realized that we would get to it. We are going to get to maybe a top three favorite challenge moment of mine in this podcast. I know, I know exactly what it is. And so I'm very excited to talk about that. We'll get there because it's epic. <laughs> but that gets us into what we had previously alluded to before that I honestly think for me personally, this is worse than pop culture bike jump. Oh Lord. This is called shirt off my back. And the premise of this mission is that each team has to line up over a balance beam that is over the water. And you have to, before you get onto the balance beam, put on a designated amount of clothing <laughs> the girls have to put on three shirts and two pairs of shorts. The guys have to put on two shirts and three shorts. And this is where they completely lose me. So I don't know if it's they have to, the object is to seemingly take off your clothes and then pass them to the person to your right. And then I don't know if you're supposed to then put them on and then take them off and then pass them <laughs> to the person next to you or what you have to do. But the mechanics of how this challenge works uh, couldn't be any less clear than Dave Muir makes them. Let me drive this home a little Dave bit more. Muir let me drive this home a little bit let, more. Let him have his moment. Let, let me have this. The challenge literally lasts 30 to 45 seconds. There is no editing done, and randomly the good guys win, and it's over. It's like, oh, wow, it's done. Like You have no idea what's going on. It is a complete okay. free-for-all. But my primary takeaway from this mission is Dave Mira is a train wreck of a host. Like he's like Victor Cruz level <laughs> incompetence. <laughs> like okay, so before the mission, this is one of my favorite parts of this season. This is so underrated. So this part where he's like addressing the badasses team, and he's like, "Oh well, someone went home from a uh, your guys team," and then later on he says, "Okay, they win. These guys got it." I'm pretty sure he doesn't know what the teams are called entirely possible it's possible is, so is it possible is it also possible that dave mira is actually what we had previously perceived johnny mosley to be no dave mira is not as, as uh, eccentric as mosley dave mira no, is I'm, I'm saying before, funny that's before the we started this podcast like i know that that's our perception well, of johnny no but I, that's now. always my perception of mosley Oh, I don't think that was my perception of Mosley. I used to think Mosley was just like a complete, like clueless goof that had no idea what was going on. <laughs> like the course of this podcast, I've like built up somewhat of an affinity towards him because of like the inside joke that we've turned him into. Being. So you know, well, I think yeah. Mosley. Mosley just think Mosley was just a hundred percent in the wrong direction. Mira is zero percent in any direction. Mosley. Mostly in this challenge would have been like floating in the water, like looking for like someone that oh, like, you know, he would have shown up in a speedo. That was my note is that <laughs> this is the one challenge this season that I desperately miss Johnny oh, Mosley because he would have shown Mosley up holding an inner tube. He would have had like the sunscreen on his nose, like the idiot lifeguard. <laughs> Which would want Mosley like, a, checking like to see if your clothing was on correctly though. I don't know if I'd want that. <laughs> Uh, also, like Dave Mirror is the only person who checks these people clothing. Does he know what he's looking for? Like, I don't know what he's supposed to be looking for. Uh, but he looks all right. Darrell looks good. Miz looks good. Uh, Shavonda looks good. Good guys. You're you're good to go. Yeah, I you know, I just wanted to point out we have spent more time <laughs> analyzing this challenge than it lasted as I'm watching it right now as we're talking. Like it literally is over, and we're still talking about it. That's how bad this is. 
I feel like I, I feel like I try and do like a good job of describing what like the object of the challenge is before we lead into our discussion of the challenge. I don't even know how to describe this. I think what it's supposed to be is like, you know, that thing they always have you do in like team building exercises when you're like working like your first job or something where you hold hands and there's the hula hoop and you have to move the hula hoop from like one person to the next person. I think it's just supposed to be like a clothing version of that. Is that yeah. their, 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 their and from what I gathered, was. one through eight, you had to like transfer clothes from the person on the like whoever is like on. Uh, if we're looking at this dead on, I'm putting way too much thought into this. The person on the far left is going to hand mm-hmm. their clothes to the next person, and then the next person, but the person at the very end has to get their clothes all the way back to the person at the beginning, and that's where Dan's harebrained idea was. Is like. Whom? If I just jump off and you have to go to the beginning, uh, then I can just hand that person their clothes, and it didn't work. So I don't get why – I don't get this then. If the person on the far left has to hand their clothes to the person to their – it would be their left, right? Our mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Why is everyone else wearing three pairs of shirts and two pairs of shorts? Or like, I, I think like that was what they all had. They all had on two pairs of shorts, or the in the girls' case, they had on like two tank tops. And so, like, the dudes had to take their two shirts off and then wear the two tank tops. Like, it. This challenge is just dumb. Like, so it's was, dumb. Okay, I think I, I might get what's going on. So, was the whole object that you were supposed to? rotate clothes with the person next to you was that yes. the whole object of this okay. that was the All object right. now and then I... the person who was at the end had to get their clothes to the person at the other end because they had no one to their left and All that right. would explain and just to fill in the listeners on this so dan has an idea to so if he's on the complete opposite end of the balance beam from the other person on the other end of the balance beam and he has to give his clothes to the person on the opposite end his idea was to just jump off the balance beam and get back on the balance beam at the other end. Mm-hmm. But what he finds out is that it's much more difficult to take off the shirts and shorts when you're actually wet. So it took us five minutes, but I think I now grasp the object <laughs> of this like complete train wreck of a challenge. Yeah. To be fair, though, the only person you grasped with was us, so we could just be completely wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. honestly, like... We, we could, like, find out, like, someone could send us an email and be like, no, this is actually how it works. Yeah. And, For, like, that may make an equal amount of sense. Yes. Anyone from the Inferno to your production team, if you'd like to come address these concerns <laughs> with us, please do. Well, what's really funny is that you say that. I was listening to Challenge Mania. Uh, they did an interview with CT way back a few months ago that I hadn't heard yet. And so I was listening to it. And he and Derek spent, like, 10 minutes talking about the Inferno 2. And it was really funny because I was like, wow, that's ironic that that's what we're doing this week. So um, that was fascinating yeah, what am I- to hear them talk about it. Yeah, one of my favorite stories from this season, and I think they talk about it. And is this like one of the first times that, that they do like the shit they didn't show? Is this one of the first seasons? I don't know. They they didn't do a full on reunion because of some contractual issues. Yeah. So like they just, I think they just had like a recap show, like the best moments from the Inferno. No, that was on Inferno Three. They had the. Best. I actually quite enjoyed the, the top ten thing they do on Inferno Three. That's like that's low key my favorite part of the Inferno Three, which says how I feel about the Inferno Three. I think it might be, yeah, like kind of an episode where they just go talk around about like moments from the season and then they talk about some moments that they didn't show. And Derek and CT, I think Derek talks about how like CT came up to him one one night and was like, 
do you want to go play a joke on the Miz? And he was like, duh. And they like snuck up like to one of like the ledges of the house and dropped like an egg on the Miz. They actually talked about that on that podcast. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll have to listen to that podcast. then. It was like, it wasn't an egg though. It was like buckets of water. Like he was like down there on the phone or something. And so like they walked over to the edge and just like (laughs) completely drenched him while he was on the phone. I on the phone. All right. That gets okay. Some... Also, so or, All right, go ahead. I got some other takeaways here. So one thing that oh, I God. really <laughs> here, oh, no, so after the mission, there's this part where Veronica and Tina are like strategizing after the mission's already ended. Just like, guys, we got to find something to take away from this loss. Like something that will help us, like with the next. Mission. I don't remember this at all. Oh, like it was like, what are you going to take away from this mission? That, <laughs> we shouldn't like, listen like, to Dan. That's what yeah. you can take away from. They, they were like, they're like Greg Popovich in the middle of the series trying to adapt to their opponent. I'm like, guys, I don't think this thing is happening again. I don't think you're going to be able to, you know, take any of these lessons and apply them further. Yeah, I think the highlight of this mission was at the end. They do a confessional with Abe, and he go, he does a double bird and goes, like, and just completely like, good for you. You won a mission. Great job. It was a entertaining uh, confession. Uh, I've got, I've got quite a few takeaways from this mission, honestly. Like that, I, I, I found it to be well, leads to a lot going on. As we get into deliberation, the good guys want to throw in Karamo because at this point they feel like they know that the badasses want to throw in the Miz, and it's pretty open and shut from their perspective. When we get to the badasses, <clears throat> it gets a little bit more uh, heated, and there's a little bit more division amongst the team about who they should throw in. Karamo says that he wants to throw throw in Landon. Um, CT says that he wants to go with the Miz. Uh, CT in this season kind of like seems to like quite enjoy like picking on the Miz when it comes to deciding who he wants to throw, throw in. And this is where we get a confrontation between Karamo and CT. Karamo says that he doesn't think that they should throw in the Miz because if the good guys realize that they're just throwing in the Miz every time, then the good guys, which they end up doing, will start to pick the weaker players on the badasses to throw in. And CT snipes back really quick and he goes, oh, you just don't want us to vote in the Miz because then they'll they'll vote you in. And this is what really starts to get conflict going between CT and Karamo. And Karamo calls, I think, Derek, CT, and maybe someone else weak for wanting to throw in the Miz. And CT says, quote, how do you call us weak when you're the weakest guy on our team? All you do is sleep all day, end quote. And then Karamo snipes back, kiss my black ass, I'll do whatever the fuck I want, end quote. And that's pretty much ends the deliberation for the badasses. Do either of you have anything to say about that? Nah. It's it's funny because this confrontation is actually somewhat effectual for throughout like later in the season like directly later in the season like next episode it matters a little bit yeah. but i don't find it to exactly be enthralling television yeah i think the better piece of this deliberation is after it's over everybody's still making the assumption that miz and abe have an alliance and abe freaking out and breaking oh, stuff that was, yeah yeah and we're gonna get to that quickly because not much happens in the nomination where the badasses officially se- select the miz and the good guys select karamo and that gets us, in, gets us into post-nomination where Karamo tells Derek that he doesn't feel like he's part of the team, 
Abe says that he doesn't think he can vote for Mike anymore because they are at this point, they're friends. Um, and this gets us into a scene in the kitchen right before we end the episode where there are a group of people sitting around a table. I think it's the Miz, Tina, and maybe Veronica, but I could be Jody's wrong. floating around. And Abe starts to scream at Tina, uh, over the possibility that there is an alliance between Abe and the Miz and Abe at this point loses his mind, grabs like a glass from the kitchen and then like throws it out the door. But this was kind of a complete mess. Yeah. Was this really the emergence of when we started realizing Abe was crazy? Well, the thing with Abram, he kind of has, you know, like how Wes in recent seasons, you can never really tell if it's contrived or if it's genuine. I feel like most of what, I feel like what most of what Abe does to me, and I don't know if I've ever said it on this podcast before, but I feel like what most of Abe does seems completely forced and yeah, that's what I, like, it, it not authentic. sounds that way. I think it, it could just be, it's just so hard to tell, but it could just be honestly just the way he talks just sounds contrived, which makes his actions seem contrived when they're actually not. I, would agree. I think he's yeah. legitimately – I would say Abe is probably legitimately a bit crazy. Um, you don't smear your own feces around a jail cell if you're a normal person. Um, but I think the way, like you said, he talks when he's trying to sound crazy, he he just sounds forced. But I think he is legitimately got a few screw looses up there. There is – like, and to, he had a podcast another time where he was talking about – there was the the after show that he did with Kara and Tom on Bloodlines, and mm-hmm. his feelings towards Tom and the way he expressed them, contrived or genuine, it was genuinely terrifying to hear him talk about it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think he's gotten a little more off as he's gotten older, but he seems since he's not on the show, what little we see of him in social media seems like less crazy. So, oh, he's engaged yeah. now. Yeah, no, he got married. Like they actually, oh, that's right. yeah, he, they did get married. That's they're right. officially married now. So yeah, he's he's married and living the life. So good for him. I don't imagine he'll be going back on the show anytime soon. Then you say that. Surprised. You, you never say that know. with Abe, anything is possible. How I, I think he's probably an insurance concern at this point. Is he forty? Almost. Oh yeah, he's, he's got to be, be close. Actually, I think he and Bananas might be the same age, so they're like 37. I think he's yeah, a little bit older than Johnny. People don't realize how old Johnny was when he came on. Like, he's significantly yeah, older like, than, like, Abe was 19 when he did his first season. That's yeah. like, wasn't, wasn't yeah, this? So, yeah, that, that would make Abe 38 because his first season was, like, 99. Wasn't, that's like how, wasn't the situation, like, 32, like, in his 30s when the Jersey Store shore started? <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, I never watched very, that, so I couldn't tell you. Oh, never watched the Jersey Shore trace? Come on, man! No, Go treat I, yourself. I was. Uh, <laughs> watch the first season. Uh, no, are you, I are you gonna can't. watch the? Are you gonna watch the Pauly D Vinny dating show then? Hell no! Oh man, I'm, I'm gonna be pretty in on that. I'm not gonna lie. I'm gonna have to Is start that on it. MTV. Yeah, yeah, it's it's on MTV. Um, I forget what time it's on, but what, what, I think it's already the, started. What's the concept of the show? Well, it's like the Bachelor, but with Vinny and Pauly D as the Bachelor. Oh, this is old. So, who's the main person, or is it both of them? There's both of them. Okay, so, so it's kind of like where they had two Bachelorettes. Is it kind of like? Uh, did you ever watch like Rock of Love? 
Yeah, well, I didn't watch it, but I know what it is. You know what it is? Okay, Trace, did you I watch did watch. I did watch it. You watched all about it. It was Jersey Shore. about it. It was a train wreck in the best way possible. It was not, a, like, that's, I mean, I haven't watched the show, so I guess I can't be judging too hard. But I, 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 Jersey Shore, I have to imagine, is a more quality show than uh, Rock of Love. Uh, they're comparable. They're, I was about to say, I would think they're in the same category. Oh, they're in the same arena. They're very cringeworthy. We we also talked about, I think, I don't know if it was on a warm-up or on our last podcast, we also talked about I Love Money. Remember that? Oh, God, yes. Ugh. Rob, that may have been before your time. Do you remember it that? Was, it was I, before. I, I know what it is. I have not seen okay. it. Okay. That was pretty great. All right, now we are completely off track. Let's get into episode six. So, <laughs> Karamo talks with Tina about how he almost, like, supposedly, like, got in a fight with CT over, um, like what ensued after he got voted into uh, elimination. He says, and I think he does a good job of explaining himself here about why he wants to go against Landon, Landon as opposed to the Miz, because from an outsider's perspective, without any context, I think it's difficult to understand why he would want to go and land against Landon over the Miz. And I think what it is, is I think he knows he's going to lose either way. If he goes against Landon, he knows Landon's not going to embarrass him. And I think yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. I, I, I think Karamo knew Karamo knew he probably couldn't beat anybody on the good guys team. So I'm with you. I think he knew I'd rather go home from a friend than Miz or Brad going all amped up on him. Like who who's the weakest competitor of the mid guys and the good guys team at this point? They don't have any anymore. They don't they, have they, any. No, they the don't have anybody. Seriously, like you could make the case that Miz is the weakest of those four. No, that you definitely could. They only had one weak guy in the on the season. And he's and gone. gone. <laughs> yeah. Episode two, he was gone. And the badasses really only have one, two, I guess. Yeah. Because I wouldn't I wouldn't call Dan weak. Like I think he's very like confident. He's smart, but physically I feel like he's he would be a, if he never ran a final. I think he's a final liability. Really? I mean I to, to, to just project that out though is kind of difficult. Yeah, I mean, we don't really have like, a sample of that. Yeah, right? I, I think people always, like, with the challenge, especially in these seasons, but even still today, people will, like, just look at someone's physical profile and assume that projects out directly to how they perform, and that's just not the case. Okay, that's fair. Katie Doyle is a challenge champion, so that's well, this that, Yeah, but that, that that's not really – like, Derrick Henry, like, him being a legitimate athlete and then being a train wreck on the show is more what I was referring to. I got you. Yeah, it's kind of in that same vein too of like Nehemiah is a challenge champion, and I always forget that. Like, how the heck is Nieder, Niedermeyer is a freaking challenge champion, and that well, he, actually okay, he's definitely also not the least deserving champion on that team. He might be like the, the third most deserving behind what was the well, Frank, I mean, Frank, Frank, the Frank, and, Frank and Jillian carry that team. Frank especially carries that team. And Tori, like, I, uh, Tori annoys me at times, but like she's actually pretty. It, she's in really good shape. So like she is very, no, she definitely, she's I actually would, a legitimately, I would, if I had to pick certain people to run a final with in that era, I would have picked Tori over a lot of people. Well, sure. But like, there's, there's also like, Oh man, what's that chick from real world Austin? That was just, a that's who I'm trying to think of. She was Rachel, Rachel, right? like Rachel Moyle, right? Oh now, yeah. Rachel. Yeah. No, there was Rachel. Her name. Uh, there was also there was Lacey, there was uh, Melinda. Well, Lacey, no, Lacey was not on that one. Melinda was Johanna, on that team, but she got knocked out. Johanna, Johanna was, was a challenge champion from that. Yeah, 
Okay, hold up. I'm going to look it up right now. This is for that commenter that hates when we do this. We're looking at <laughs> Sorry. This also, this also is not even related at all to what we're talking about. No. Either, that is Rachel. For some reason, I thought her name was something different. She, that, she was in this, in the Gauntlet 3, seven. and she was in... Inferno 3. She was in Inferno 3. Inferno 3, Jen, yeah. And Jen's not happy about it. Yeah. Yeah, now, well, she be Jen. She beats... Um, Oh man, what's her face? Who did she lose to when she's crushed? Remember? Oh yeah, she, she like a civilian. Remember oh, she yeah. said that? Oh, okay, no, that, that's what I messed up. Yeah, she loses to Jen. That's what it is. Yeah, man. So now we, that we've gone as off we the tra- rails for the yeah. third time, <laughs> as we, we get transition- into the dodgeball challenge, yeah. <laughs> as we transition to uh, what Dave Muir calls calls Dodger Ball, the mission for this episode, it is pretty much a glorified uh, game of dodge dodgeball where each of the teams is. Uh, stands on a flotation device out in the middle of the water. So it's kind of just like a dock that um, is in this. I don't even know if it's like kind of like a lagoon area. And the object of the game is pretty much play dodgeball. You can eliminate someone from the other team if you hit them with a ball and no one catches it. Or if you catch a ball that is thrown by someone of the opposite team, each player on each team must participate, which remember that because we're going to get into that in a moment. Each team will start with five balls. The players that are not competing in the current heat will float in the water to retrieve the balls that are thrown. If what am I missing? There's other one other piece. Um, oh, so there will be two heats. Um, at this point, I think we have 10 competitors. I could be wrong. 10. But no, like we have. Or... Yeah. Uh, no, we have 20, I think. So no, we don't have 20 because we, we started with 20. There are teams of five because I think there are five players on each team. No, but um, the good guys don't have one. Okay. Mm, so the they're good guys are two, down. Actually. Sorry, they're down to eight. Good guys are down two. Um, well, actually, no. But, sorry. Well, this is a train wreck. But So they're down two, and then Beth left, so it's nine to eight. So it's kind of a um, a bracket format where... Uh, there will be the first matchup will be one team for the good guys and one team for the badasses that face each other. The winner of that competition will face off in the final matchup. And the second matchup is another team for the good guys and another team for the badasses. And the winner of that will face the um, winner of the first mission. What would they have done if um, either team won both matchups? Would it just be over at that point? I think it would just, I would assume it would yeah. just be over. They might let them just play if they want to, but I would assume it'd just be over. You're and missing the best quote from this, though. When they start announcing yeah. this, Dan says oh, about Rachel, <laughs> we've got a lesbian on our team, so this is great. <laughs> yeah, that, said, that, that would not translate well today. Not today's world, no. <laughs> you made that comment about someone earlier about how they turned into Greg Popovich. Rachel turns into Greg Popovich right here. We're <laughs> talking about, like, she starts true. talking about, like, weight distribution she comes out like a dodgeball expert. She's like, <laughs> she like, what, what was the other comment she made? I don't even remember, but she is like very into this. She's talking about this. Like she's talking about like g- out of bounds plays in like game seven of the, the yeah, final. Exactly. She's like drawing like an, uh, an out of time out, but she just needs a whiteboard. Yeah, it, it was pretty hysterical. And then we have the infamous moment where Karamo's heat didn't even happen because he didn't want to even get in the water. And what put it over the top was the snake. Well, also yeah, so, too with Karamo, he says he does. He gets really angry at Rachel for strategizing in his confessional. <laughs> He's like, "Why are we? Why are we strategizing? It's just dodgeball. You just throw it." And I'm like, "Well, 
sure, but you can't even do that. Yeah. So Trace alluded to it, but the second heat never even happens. And so the good guys team of The Miz, Landon, Darrell, and Brad automatically make it to the finals. And what both the good guys and the badasses figure out for this is that they make one very strong team and one very weak team. And <clears throat> because you only need one team to win, it's not like you're trying to get the best average time here. Mm-hmm. And the team for the badasses that makes it to the finals is Tina, Derek, CT, Rachel, and Abe, their strong team, which faces Julie, uh, Siobhan, and Jody, and who am I forgetting? Jamie. They completely crush um, the good guys, and it lasts less than 60 seconds. But that gets us to the main event, which is a much better con- contest and is actually quite compelling. The good guys get off to a pretty big lead um, where I think it's only Derek and CT are left for the badasses. Derek catches a ball, which results in a two-player swing where uh, I think Rachel comes back onto the platform. And I can't remember who was eliminated from the good guys. But Derek catches a ball, then CT catches a ball right after that. And I don't know if either of you noticed this, but CT is like wearing gloves in this challenge. And I have like, I don't know if oh, yeah, no, I saw it. CT's dodgeball gloves that like he, he knew that they were going to be playing dodgeball this season. So he like brought him along and it gets to the point where Darrell is the only one left for the badasses after the, or for the good guys after the, the badasses make their comeback. And then Daryl catches um, a ball, which results in a two player swing. Landon comes back. And then <clears throat> even though they try and make this last, Last minute comeback, uh, the badasses whittle Darrell and Landon away as the badasses win and bring the total for the season to $40,000 for the badasses and $20,000 for the good guys. And Landon wins the life shield for the good guys and CT wins, which is a reoccurring theme in the season, the life shield for the badasses. What do we think? Uh, I mean, again, it's, it's a great character driven challenge. And even like the main event of the, the, the heats was entertaining, but, uh, I don't know. It just feels kind of, eh, I found it quite entertaining. I liked I it a lot. Hard yeah. to, I, just, yeah. I think it's just kind of hard to have significant takeaways from it. Yeah. Cause it's no, just so it's... like, like something that ha- like all of us have, I would assume have seen and played in dodgeball before. So it's not like they're breaking new ground with this mission, but it's, it's still entertaining to watch. Yeah. I was at a, uh, a company picnic, like right around the time I first started to work with the company that I'm at now. And they were playing a dodgeball game. And like, from me, like this woman was like, I'm like 10 feet away from me. And she wasn't paying attention to what was going on. Oh Lord, Devin. And she like turned towards the face of action. And like, as she did, she got completely tattooed in the side of the face with a dodgeball from some guy nice. that was like, like overhanded one, like downhill at her. And that ended the, that ended dodgeball for the day. <laughs> <laughs> no one uh, how, how old was this? Was this also, was it like everybody in the company was just split into two teams? Like it was an intra squad meeting or was it literally? Yeah. Like, okay. No, no, so no, this wasn't against a rival involved. company. This wasn't like the, no, this, the office where they have like the different branches all fighting each other. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. Like, like she literally just did, like, she like got like minor brain damage from it for sure. Oh my God. Like, how like old was guy, she? 
Uh, I think she's a little bit younger than I am. I think she's like 26. But this guy, oh wow, literally like overhanded one right after it like left like a red mark like on the side of her face and her neck from like the impact that she received on it. I see. Well, that seamlessly transitions us into <laughs> post challenge where Landon says that he might take out the Miz in the elimination to go against Karamo. Mike gets offended. And I guess that we should probably reemphasize that Landon has the ability to do this because he won the life shield for, for the previous challenge. And as the winner of the life shield, you have the ability to replace the person that is in elimination. Landon doesn't want Karama to get embarrassed and the Miz doesn't want to be embarrassed by being replaced in the challenge where he will face Karamo. Yeah. And that gets into into elimination where Landon does go in for the Miz. Mike has an upset look on his face. It looks pretty forced. Um, and Dave Mira asks <laughs> CT if he plans to go in and take out Karamo and play in the elimination for him. And CT says, quote, he doesn't feel like it. If he'll, when asked if he'll go in for Karamo and the elimination for the day is called knock your block off. And to describe it, each player from each team has a football helmet that they'll wear on their head. And on top of the football helmet, there's kind of a giant styrofoam block that is, I'm, I would assume taped on there with Velcro and each player is given like an American gladiators, like club. There's a better name for them. What is it? Yeah. And the object is to take your club and fight the opposing player and knock the styrofoam block off the top of your opponent's head. And the person that does this first wins. And I think that they, this is an elimination that I feel like you have to have multiple heats for this. They have it's pretty much like a one and you're done here. It Landon, was a thirty second elimination. Yeah, Landon like knocks off the styrofoam like immediately and it's over. But I also thought about this after, like this like could be like a kind of like a fluky thing too. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't take much for like someone to like sneak one in here, <laughs> like Landon like randomly like. I don't know, like has it like a moment, like lapse of like focus and Krama wins this. And it's, it's one time and it's completely done. Yeah, I was well, kind of surprised. Really, they don't really seem to like running multiple heats for their eliminations back in this time. Well, but then we get to the one at the. So I think that they learned from this and saw how quickly it, it ended. Well, what did they expect? And, and then at the end of this string of episodes that we're about to talk about in episode 10, we get the elimination between Brad and Abe where what's the formal name for this? Because we still do this elimination today. Balls in. We play balls in and they do 10 repetitions of this, which is, I think really overboard and like probably not. I was all in on every single round of that. We'll talk about that when we get there, but I thought all were necessary and more would be appreciated. Where juxtaposed to this, it's one, it's 30 seconds, and it's completely over. But good thing Miz didn't get cram on that elimination. Yeah. Do either of you have anything else to say about this? No. Okay. I I think with the balls, and it's we can, I guess we can talk about that when we get there, but I think it's just a separate situation. I don't see how you would do that one with just one round each. 
No, you would just do like uh, like best of like five. Two out of three. You know fine. what I mean? You don't need ten. Yeah, I quite enjoyed having three. a ten. I enjoyed it too, but I'm saying that like. Well, also they also wait. Also, real quickly, they didn't also figure out that they could just cut out some of the rounds like they do every single time now. Very true. That gets us into a club scene where not really much happens from what I remember. We have some club scenes where that are pretty uneventful in this season. As we transition to episode seven, where Mike and Jody are shown together, they try and I don't really know what they were trying to get across here. I think this is more just like a character moment to build up Jody because this is the episode where she is nominated by the badasses. And then in episode eight, she ends up going home. And to this point in the season, we haven't really seen much of Jody. And I think she is, I always forget about her, but she is definitely a very like memorable character. And she's definitely one of my favorite female characters from this segment of seasons from the challenge. But they, the Miz and Jody made a bet over a card game. Now Jody has to jump into the pool naked. There's kind of, some like joking back and forth between the two of them. And then we transition to a moment from the women on the badasses where Rachel, Veronica, and I'm assuming Tina, but I'm not sure if she was involved in this are looking at photos of Tanya and they're kind of making fun of her. And they say that some of them look like they're airbrushed. And Tanya talks about how the three girls kind of gang up on her, which is completely true. And we're going to, we're going to get into this. I think in pretty much every episode from now until the end of this podcast episode, but this was kind of like a weird editing thing where they were talking about Jody. They transition over to Tanya versus the three girls. And then they jump back towards a moment with Jody where Derek and Jody are shown together and they lead to their road rule season, which was remind me, Road Rules Extreme, I think. Uh, yeah. Road Rules Extreme. Was that what was the last season of Road Rules? Well, that was, well there was Road that, Rules Extreme was like the last real season, and then they had like the weird quasi the season. Viewer, yeah, the viewers revenge where uh, Tori can Derek. Tori and, and Derek McRae came from, yeah. yeah. But then there was like Abe was on that season too. Like they brought back yeah, and he like, got launched older. after the first like three episodes. Yeah. <laughs> then we get into the challenge for this episode, which I thought was fine. I think what's kind of like colors me uh, like in favor of the challenges that we see in the later half of this string of episodes that we've talked about and we'll talk about is that they're all better than that monstrosity from episode five. So the object (laughs) of this is that there is a plexiglass wall and there are holes that have been drilled into the plexiglass wall And on one side of the plexiglass wall, there is a tube that is connected into the hole. And on the other side of the tube, the tube feeds into a tank of water. And each player, um, once the challenge starts, has to plug up the holes on the plexiglass wall as water falls out of the tank at the top that the tube is connected to. And the object of the challenge is to get the take the take the longest amount of time to have water drain from the tank. So on the tank, there's a line that's drawn on the tank, and the team that takes the longest to have the water drain out wins. 
there are two heats and the fastest average time from the two heats between the good guys and the badasses wins. I don't really have any notes on this. This one's pretty cut and dry beside the fact that the badasses dominate again. Yeah, that's really it. I don't quite get why they had to split this one into two heats. Make it a little bit longer than the challenge from episode five. I think that's, that's well, all does I can it, the challenge with. need to be long? It needs to take up a certain amount of time. Like, I mean, this needs, challenge was maybe three minutes of, of time on I this episode. I feel like they... Maybe I'm just so messed up with how things happen nowadays, but I definitely feel like there's something else they could have shown if they, if they cut this down a little bit. I don't know if they can cut it much down much more than it was. How long did you say it was, Trace? I, it was maybe three minutes of the episode that I mean, there was more time of them explaining the rules and like people strategizing than the actual amount of the challenge they showed. But again, it's a challenge. And this is how the show evolved too. like this isn't an exciting thing to watch as a viewer. We're watching them discuss strategy and push their body up against holes in a. Well, uh, yeah, that's wall. what I'm saying. It's, it's just like having the multiple. He doesn't accomplish anything, in my opinion. What I thought was interesting, though, is when you look at the times how much the times improved in the second heat compared to the first heat. And just like how much, I guess it just speaks to like how much you can learn when you see what people in the previous heat do and just how much of an advantage it is to go later on in missions than it is early on in the mission. So like for reference, the good guys, it took three minutes and 48 seconds before the water fell out of their tank in the first heat. And then the badasses, it took six minutes and 11 seconds. So quite a range. But that gets us into nomination where the good guys are somewhat conflicted on who they want to throw into elimination. They're between Veronica and Tanya. Jody and Julie want to throw in Veronica. They are not scared of Veronica and they think that it might be a good idea to take out one of their stronger the stronger women but they're also afraid to throw in veronica because there's a chance the badasses might throw in jamie or uh shavonda and everyone decides or well not everyone they decide that they'll do it but it's really julie's idea they know that they will be the second team or they think that they'll probably be the second team to say the name of the person that they want to go up against in the elimination. And so Julie's idea is that whoever the badasses nominate for the women, that woman will decide who they want to go against between Veronica and Tanya. But actually there's no, but (laughs) (laughs) the badasses, um, Rachel wants to go with Jody uh, Derek says that he can't vote for Jody because of what we had previously mentioned early in this episode. And that gets in, into the nomination where the badass is throwing Jody, Jody, because she would much rather go in against Veronica than Tanya decides that she wants to go in against Veronica. Veronica looks completely shocked and I'm not entire, entirely sure why. I don't know if she may have heard some chatter from across the line that it would be Tanya that Tanya that would, go in and she was kind of surprised when her name came up but Rachel is completely livid when she hears that the good guys changed their vote based off of who would be voted in um on their team and Rachel is I think just bitter because this is Veronica 
that's mm-hmm. being voted in. And Rachel confronts the good guys about what they did. Um, Veronica like tells them that she's upset because she like wants to know if the rules changed. The rules never change. She's just upset that she's going in. Mm-hmm. Derek confronts Jody about um, her quote unquote doing something shady um, when really she didn't do anything shady. I think this is like completely, and I think we're all going to be on the same page about this. And I would be surprised if we weren't. I think this is entirely a case of the badasses just being bitter that they didn't think of this first. Yeah, it's. I think this is lots of alcohol and boredom and bitterness of not figuring that out first. I don't even. I don't even know what it. I think it's just. Yeah, they're just angry that Veronica's getting voted in. Dan comes in with a scorching hot quote here, where it's. I think all of you know what I'm about to say too. Where uh-huh. it's Dan, Jody, and CT, and Jody starts to talk to Dan, and he's just there and he look doesn't say anything and he's quiet and Jody's like, well, like, what do you think? You're just like, you're just standing there. And he goes, I'm just, just surprised because I, I thought I was the biggest bitch here. And I guess I was wrong. And then CT just like has the most priceless look on his face that you've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. That might have to be, if we weren't in a string of episodes where we would have the wedgie incident coming up, I would say <laughs> the reaction on CT's face in this moment would be the album artwork for this podcast episode. Yes. But Man. It's not going to be them lining up to do the first mission. <laughs> uh, I, I, just a piss I could be talking to that. Yeah. No, honestly, I would, I would be in favor of that just so like people could get like a visual representation of what the hell's going on here. Like, <laughs> it took three of us like 10 minutes of talking about it to figure out what was going on. But we're still not sure if we know what was going on. We just know what we think is going on. Yeah. If I had to bet, I think that's what was going on, though. Like, let's try yeah. it. Like, Why? I don't even know if it's it right now. So the object of the challenge was to <laughs> take off your clothes and pass them to the person to your left. And that's why it was difficult for the person on the far left to pass their clothes to the person to their left because there was no one there. And so that's why Dan had the idea to go jump off and go to the end. Yes. Right. Yeah. All right. There you go. We, I think we, we might need it. to edit some of this out. <laughs> no, this is staying in. I feel like we need the John Madden telestrator right now where Devin is like <laughs> drawing on the screen and he's going to show Dan jump in the water and draw an arrow to the right of CT of where Dan will stand before the play starts. But based off, based off of the way that Dave Mira described this, it'd just be like a bunch of like chicken scratch on the uh, screen because like it's all chaos. It just <laughs> I don't think it's that much chaos. I think they just passed the show. I think it's a lame challenge that they overthought, just completely I th- overthought. I think they completely underthought it. I think that they didn't think it through at all. It was an awful idea. <laughs> I mean, it gave us like 20 minutes of content, so I don't see why they're so angry. Uh, <laughs> name, what, like, name one challenge that's worse. The pop culture bike Pop culture bike jump. That's, so that's terrible. Name two. Name two. Uh, I need to. I need to like open up a, a, some library of challenge missions. I mean, some of the, some of the battle of the sexes ones were pretty trash. The battle of the sexes one challenges were pretty horrible, and we've just kind of blocked that that season happened. It, it's kind of like PTSD. You just don't want to. Even like it. the valet parking from like Battle of the Seasons was pretty god. That at least with like Timmy made it entertaining. Okay, like, yeah, but part- we had to watch like how many people was it? Twelve different people valet park cars. 
Yeah. Some of the ones from Battle of the Sexes one, I like were kind of entertaining in their own way though too. Like, do you remember the one that Ruthie won? Where what was it? Maximum velocity. Do you remember well, that Ruthie one? Won a lot of them. So where like it was like they like went down the rope and then they had to like pull the release on the brake and it yeah, stopped there. There were some okay ones. There were some that were not. And Even then, like the, like the tug of war from this, like I, I love that episode. That that episode, and that might be one of my favorite episodes of all time. But the the tug of war mission, episode two of War of the Worlds, is not good. Yeah, I, you know, I'm sitting here as we, whenever for those of you that listen, like whenever we record, I usually have the show playing in the background. It is amazing to me because the challenge is over like seven minutes into the episode. And from seven minutes till the end, there is nothing but people screaming and yelling and Jody crying and people holding Coronas. Like, like, I don't get why. Like, how, I don't. It's honestly impressive on the producer's part. They were able to stretch out this confrontation into this much of the episode. I think and they did a good job out of it too. And they did no, because, yeah, they like, did. watching this, it was over several hours that these people were angry. Like it, 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 you can see the light changing as this episode went on. Like it, it's actually extremely impressive that they pulled this off. Do you think, um, like, is, is did has has everyone always shared our opinion that the badasses were just like there's legitimately zero basis for what they're arguing for, like like zero zero. Like, is everyone always on the same page with that, or do you think there would be anyone who would have taken their side? I don't know. That's a good question. I like. I can't imagine. There is always somebody on Reddit that is going to take that opposite opinion. But but like, what even is the argument there? It's not fair. It's a competition. I'm with you. Like it's why you have to give me a reason why. It's a game. My goal is to win the game. Well, yeah, but like, why? Like, I just want to know why. Well, what would be their argument? Why would there be one? I, I don't. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I think it's absolutely insane that like there are the, people. I think, I think the argument I would guess. be the, the argument would be that once you vote, you can't change the person that you want to throw into elimination after you voted as a team. But that's maybe, not the rule. Maybe the, the rule is would be saying like that since we didn't have the opportunity to change the vote because we got to, we have to pick first, then you guys shouldn't be able to do so. I don't know. Eh, like, I don't know. Rule, I think it's, the rule is that you have to give Dave Muir a name. That's yeah. that's the only rule. You have to give them. <laughs> you have to give them one name. They're voting the name like of the eligible matter. contestants on the other team. Yeah. Yes, that reminds me of. Have I, any of you heard the story about? Uh, it's funny when you say of a name of a contestant on the other team. It reminds me of. I think on like the first season of Survivor, like from like I don't in one of the episodes. Oh, it was I Sean. Yeah, like he was voting alphabetically each time. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm gonna say. Okay. So, sorry. like I, I don't know if it was in the first episode or like one point in the season, each of the people went up and wrote their votes down, and when Jeff went to read the votes, everyone voted for Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a joke, and they had to like completely revote. And I could have oh gotten some of the details wrong of that, but that's what that reminded me. of. I've never even heard of that. I have not. Yeah. How is that not more commonly known if that happened? That's crazy. There is a really good book on the first season that I heard about from the uh, challenge uh, or the, the Survivor historians um, about the first season. I don't remember what it's called. I own it, um, but it's. Written by Mark Burnett or someone that Mark Burnett 
knows wrote it for him. Uh-huh. Um, let's see. I'm going to look this up. Survivor. And this, this for, for a great season, we're really off topic this episode. I think we're on fire this episode. I think we are, and it, it helps. I've been at Talladega drinking all day, so you know it's a good time. So it's called Survivor, the Ultimate Game Paperback. You can buy it for six eighty eight on Amazon. Very good book. I would recommend it to anyone that's a fan of Survivor. Okay. But that gets us into episode eight, where Rachel... They're still fighting. Yeah, they're still fighting. <laughs> they're still it's fighting, still the yeah. same night. They're still on the same night as the night that the... And I don't think we mentioned it, and we should have, but episode seven ends with the badasses bullying Jody, and it gets to the point where Jody cries. She goes to a part of the house to be alone. And she's kind of just sitting there crying. And then I think it's the Miz and Jamie, maybe come to console her. I'm pretty, or Julie, Julie, probably Julie. Yeah. Um, Julie and well, Jody gone. seem to have. No, Julie's still here. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking of Robin. My bad. Get, get yeah. Julie and Julie and Jody seem to have quite a strong relationship um, with each other in this season. But at the start of episode eight, Rachel keeps saying, quote, the game has just begun. I don't know what the hell that means. Like, has she not been playing like this whole time? But I think I think Trace kind of hit the nail on the head with it. Like, I think a lot of these people are just so bored. Like, there's like very little for them to do. They're trapped in this house and like anything to get excited for, like they just latch on to. And <clears throat> Jody says that. All she cares about is her team being behind her. The good guys are kind of doing a bonfire at the beach. And that gets us into the challenge for episode eight, which is zip up. And the object of this challenge is that there are two cranes that have a zip line attached from one crane to the other. Maybe how far apart do we think the two cranes are? Maybe like 100, 150 yards, maybe Maybe. a little bit more. Let's call it 300 yards, 300 yards apart. And the object of the challenge is to pull yourself as far as you can from one crane to the other on the zip line. So you're suspended to the zip line, and then underneath of the zip line, there's another line that you can use to grab onto and kind of pull yourself across the zip line. But what makes it difficult is that one end of the zip line is higher than the other end of the zip line. So as you pull yourself, you're going up a gradual incline. And I thought this one, I don't know if it was because the way the game played out made it compelling or if it was the actual challenge itself. I think it's probably more of the former, but it was, I think it, it, the overall result was, I think, positive. What do you guys think? Same. I really like this. I think it was a compelling ending, but it's also like a lot of times on this show, especially these early seasons, there's like, Challenges I would want to do if I was hanging out, partying with friends. And then there are some challenges where just from a physical standpoint that I just want to do because that's what I do working out. And so this is one of those that I would get amped up for just to see how I did. So like these kind of challenges resonate with me a lot. And the prize for this challenge was a flat screen TV. And everyone is ecstatic about that. And I think... There was some chatter that the badasses may potentially throw the challenge to not have Veronica sent into elimination, and I'm assuming <laughs> have Anya thrown in. But the moment that they, they see that there's a flat screen TV up for grabs, that possibility completely goes out the window. Yep. And Abe is the first person uh, that goes up for the badasses. 
And the way that this is kind of constructed is that a member of each team goes against each other. So really there's two zip lines that are suspended in air from one crane to another. Abe goes against the Miz, completely trounces the Miz. And before strategy was trash though. Yeah. And we can get into that, but before it starts, Abe is like amping him out himself up screaming and just saying oh yeah bitch repeatedly over and over i I don't know if it was over and over but he definitely says it at least once but the best way to the best strategy to have in this is to kind of like use your legs on the zip line to kind of like like at least balance yourself at the very minimum but at its best kind of use them to like push yourself up the zip line and the miz like i don't know like like this is completely lost on him and he tries to just like pull himself the whole way that way with his arms and it gets to a certain point where he doesn't have any more strength left in his arms and has to let go of the zip line yep but he only finished three meters short of abe ironically enough like he got almost all the way to the end of where the time was and he didn't lose all that much ground to abe in the long run which was pretty insane to think that how he would have done had he done it differently the good guys are significantly behind the badasses until we get one of the key matchups for this mission when Jody and Veronica ironically face off and Jody trounces Veronica 21 meters to 15 meters for Veronica. And after their heat, Veronica s- tries to say that she didn't try very hard and that's why she <laughs> lost. Get out of here. And <clears throat> going into the final two um heats the good guys are down by seven so between the last two matchups that are left they have to make up at least seven points to be able to have a chance uh to tie or even win but the second to last heat is brad versus rachel and brad gets 28 meters to Rachel's nine. So at this point they're up by two, which leads into the final heat, which is the main event, which was Landon versus CT. And before this, I going into this, I couldn't remember who won. And I was thinking this is like as good of a matchup as you can get. The matchup doesn't get any better. No. And I, before it started, I thought to myself, like Landon literally like has to win this. This is like a challenge that's like made for him. And that's what ends up happening. Landon like completely shatters the record of everyone else that's completed so far to this point with 33 meters to CT's 26 meters for the badasses. Yeah. I love this challenge and the drama that it it came out of this challenge and the way it played out. It's great. This really is sort of like, yeah, we haven't Landon's always, even in this season, just as the star has been seen as a good competitor, but this is when you're like, Oh man, Landon is a really good competitor. Yeah. He completely like crushes CT in this. Like he crushes everybody. Yeah. Like, I mean, he is, when it comes to the early season of the challenge, like he is, I would say like by far the best competitor. Mm-hmm. Would either of you disagree? And I know that we'll probably no. do like a podcast on this at a later point, but I think like from an all around physical perspective, like he is the best competitor from the early season of the challenge. Yeah. Okay. I, here's I, I a, think he's the best ever, but that's a separate topic. 
I, would, a, I don't know if I, would, I, I think I might agree. I would have to think about it, but I might agree. Here's a great question, and we will probably go way in depth on this in a future series, a season that we do. How is it that Landon was not on the champions team for the Ruins? I mean, they probably just didn't want to bring him on. Why wouldn't you, though? Like, well, there was, like, you could have dropped Cyrus for Landon. You could have dropped Cyrus for a lot of people, but. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I don't You're not Cyrus, wrong. You Sorry, but. Cy. See, Cyrus was actually good in. So before we watched the uh, first Inferno, I forgot how, or I didn't remember Cyrus being as present and memorable as he was in that season. I wonder if when we watch the ruins, he'll have the same effect. Where he will not. I don't no? think so. Okay. No, I don't having, remember the last time I watched the ruins. It's been I like maybe like ruins. three or four years since I've watched the ruins. It's probably been like a year, maybe two since I've seen it. Cause there was one point where I got really sick and like, I would work all day and then just lay in the, lay in the couch miserable. And I watched like every season that was, I had on my hard drive. And I remember watching that season and just being like, man, why is he on here? Hmm. I just, I, I don't think that's the, the, the missed opportunity that much with Landon. It would, it would definitely would have been interesting to see him on to see. I think it would have been, been interesting at, he, because he, the there's no he layups left. Well, there never was any layups. I mean, the, the, with that season, like Kenny and Johnny are the fifth and sixth best competitors Ooh. for the champions. Really? Let me look this up. I mean, they are, man. Like the, it's, that's not even a, a hot take. I can't even remember. They didn't have one. Um, they had you've Cyrus, got Evan, who was seventh. And then you Evan, have Evan Wes. Wes, Derek, Darrell, Johnny, Kenny. Man, that that might be the best team ever. It's the, it's them or the I mean that's why the rookies. challengers got their butts kicked. I mean well, you that, look at that lineup. Casey. Well, Casey, good lord. And then they're, they're, the challengers have like Chet Cannon, Nick Brown, Adam King, Danny. Yeah. Like, what did they think was going to happen? I mean, Dunbar. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, like Dummy Dun- Bear makes it to the next. Yeah, Dunbar's like, like, like best guy throughout the season. God, this was at a time care. They didn't. They didn't care about team balance, which was unfortunate because eighty percent of these team seasons are just. There's just one team who's a complete fiasco. What's the most competitive team season? Is it this it one? Could be, it could be this one. one. This one. Um, <laughs> cut, cutthroat's pretty competitive. Yeah. Um, Inferno three is relatively competitive, as is Gauntlet two. Gauntlet three is not competitive. Uh, not at all. Yeah, this. Yeah, you might have something there. I, I would say the Ruins is probably the least competitive team challenge, which is probably why they never did another one after that. No, the Sexist seasons are so horribly uncompetitive. It's not well, that's disgusting. that's a that's another that's another thing there. I think I, if you were also to break battle down, like the a, bloodlines for the team portion, one team wins every single mission. Yeah, well, they also had a member of that other team that threw every single one of them. Well, too. yeah, because there were the the, 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 the incentive was, so was the incentives. There was literally no incentive for them to win. Yeah. Anyway, back, back to, to yeah, back, back to the this. inferno. Back to the inferno, where the elimination for this. Hit. Uh, episode. It's called That's a Wrap. And this one, I don't know, is a pretty big letdown. It's kind of like when Cara Maria refers to janky carnival games, this is what she's talking about. Uh-huh. It's kind of like a giant toilet like paper roll that each competitor has to grab onto. 
and spin around as they hold the end of the toilet paper roll. It's not a toilet paper roll. It's like kind of like a, a piece of cloth and wrap themselves up in the piece of cloth. Once the, there is no more cloth left on the roll that previously held the cloth. You then race to the end of the Inferno field and grab a, your team flag. And the first person that grabs the team flag wins the mission for, or doesn't get eliminated. There is no mission. We're not winning this for anything. <laughs> I'm completely out of it. And gets to stay in the game. And <clears throat> going into this, I would have thought that Jody like would have won this like handedly. But she like I don't know if she caves under pressure or what happens, but she kind of gets the cloth like wrapped around her legs and it gets to the point where she trips over herself, falls multiple times, and Veronica blows her out of the water, stays in the game. Jody starts to cry, and Jody complains that it didn't really have anything to do with skill, and I can't really argue with her. No. The the bad the badass team is pretty cruel to her too after she lost. Like they're shouting at her as she's crying on the ground. The badass team is just cruel in general. Yeah, yeah they yeah, they aren't nice. Yeah, and I don't want to do spoilers here, but this is as bad as the last elimination at War of the Worlds that we just watched this past week. I know Devin hasn't seen it yet. There are other people listening to this that haven't seen it yet. That might be the worst elimination I've ever seen on this show. Well, also, Trace, by the time this comes out, this the elimination probably will not be the last one. So you're going to be confusing a lot of people. Okay. The worst elimination yeah. ever. I thought about this. So the worst elimination ever is in the first gauntlet when it's Elka versus Kara. And do either of you remember this? And they have the same like American gladiators kind of like jousting sticks. Uh-huh. Oh, that's and, so bad. Like one of them falls, Elka falls off like out of complete boredom. I swear. Yeah. No, it's the, like the, both the, of them, the, both of them were trying to lose. And like one of them just like stumbles off. Just I actually, off. Honestly, like I, I actually quite enjoy this elimination. I don't think it's that oh, bad. I thought it was a down. Why did you I enjoy just, it? I just, I just found it entertaining. I thought it was different. Like, and it actually did require some of the subbuts of skill. Like, yeah. I don't think it, you have to be balanced. You have to be focused. It's a good redemption for Jody to come back and win the first duel after that performance in that elimination. Well, but also, like, there's so many bad eliminations. Like, the, the one on Invasion where Jenna jumps off with the coconuts is a train wreck. Eh, I don't that, 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 that's They don't even, like, it's like who... Basically, it's just who weighs the most because it's whose jump takes less time. Mm-hmm. It's not good. That gets us into episode nine. Before the challenge, we have a moment with a bunch of people in the kitchen. Uh, I think it's Landon and the Miz are taking turns like eating like really hot peppers. Ghost Miz peppers, takes a bite yeah. Out of one. Yeah, ghost peppers. The Miz takes a bite out of one, freaks out. Uh, it looks like he, I don't know. I think some of this is like quite a bit forced. Oh yeah, uh, squirt like ketchup and mustard in his mouth. Um, transition I mean, to he ahead. played it up, but as someone who's gotten drunk and done that very thing with people, uh, it hurts. Like it is the worst pain ever to eat a real ghost pepper. Huh. So I mean, I could see you being it. desperate and then just playing it up for the camera how bad it is because it's where they get them. Did the production crew provide them? I mean, they're in Mexico. It's not hard to find. Well, like what? It's just outside growing in the back of the house? Well, no, but I, they probably went to a club or something, and I guarantee like, you like that. like a ghost pepper dealer in the back corner of the club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was probably a taco stand outside the club. I went to, in, like, I went to this like 
I don't know. It was like a bar slash brothel. Like, I don't know what the hell was going on here. Wow. This is going somewhere. I'm really happy to hear about (laughs) in in Tijuana with a couple of my old roommates and one of their friends, like maybe about like a year and a half ago. And there was like this guy there that was like trying to sell them like cocaine Steroids at a brothel in Tijuana. Cocaine, steroids, and meth. Like, it, like the most like random assortment of drugs that you can imagine. That I would have not been surprised if he also sprinkled in a ghost pepper there. Probably, I, oh, along yeah. with the donkey show. That was at the next place. No, I'm kidding. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but that gets us to Abe. And Dan talking about the supposed alliance that exists with Mike. I don't, this really doesn't go anywhere. It's like brought up throughout the course of the season, and I don't get what really, really why also, they. What was that? What would alliance between them entail? Just not voting for each other when the team is trying to put I them. I know up? that's what's so stupid about this. Like I just, I'm like, they, they can't. Okay, they're not going to vote for each other. Fine. The rest of the team can still outvote them. Yeah, it's not like you know, like this makes zero sense. And then. At the following day or some morning after, I think it's the morning of the next mission, people start to talk about their family lives and they start to talk about Tanya and what her life was like growing up. And I think they do a really good job of of this because this kind of like adds some context to the situation with Tanya and the rest of the women on the badasses is they kind of gang up on her. And Tanya talks about how she grew up in like different foster homes um, and she was always moving around. And Jamie makes the comment that Tanya is just looking for people to respect her. And that's like anything but what the other women on the badasses are doing at this point. And that gets us into the challenge for episode nine, which is the never ending climb. And Julie talks about before the challenge start that today, like her heart just really isn't into it. She doesn't really like heights. And then this is the second mission back to back where we've had heights in play. And what this is, is essentially a like, obstacle course suspended in air where you have to an obstacle course where you instead of going like along the ground it goes up in the air where you have to climb up ladders you have to go across a balance beam you have to like kind of like pull yourself across this um giant like metal like like ventilation system and as you climb up the obstacle course you have to collect a tope like what they call quote-unquote tokens which is kind of like uh like a string of like, I don't even know what, like, like shells, almost like bells, shells or yeah. like, I don't know what the hell they are, but you have to climb up this obstacle course. And I kind of like how they construct this. Whereas like, I feel like a lot of times they would have done this where one player would go at a time, what they do instead. And I like this a lot is that it's kind of a relay race where you have to climb to the top of the course. Once you get to the top of the course, you just pretty much jump off they lower you to the ground and you take the tokens and put them in a bowl. Once you put them in the bowl, the next player from your team goes on the course and it repeats itself again. Each team must collect a total of 40 tokens. And if you fall off of the course at any point in time, once you get to the bottom to start over again, you have to wait 60 seconds before you uh, are able to go again. If you do not compete, there's a five minute penalty for your team and that gets us into the competition where the badasses go first. And I don't know. 
what happens with the badasses? Derek falls off, takes a 60-second penalty. Veronica uh, can't get the tokens untangled off of her line. Like, she gets them all yeah. tangled. It's it's a real... They just are a hot mess in this, and it's weird because they're all technically pretty athletic. Like, I was pretty surprised at how much the badasses struggled here. To be honest, Tony, go- like... Before I white rewatched this season, and I usually have a pretty good memory for these things, but I completely forgot that this mission happened. I remember this one because I remember the Miz falling, and then I like vaguely remember the Derek falling as well. But this is also where Tanya goes, and she has a bunch of the women screaming at her, and it's seems like she performs adequately well. I don't think she like is a standout, but I don't think she's like completely she fall. Completely, she's completely detrimental to the tribe. And after she goes, <laughs> Derek falls and she just mentions in passing that the area that Derek f- fell on was like pretty difficult and you have to like watch out for it. And then Tina and Veronica like completely like lose their minds at her. And this is like, Case point one of them ganging up on Tanya about how she shouldn't say that in front of other members of the opposing team. And Tanya makes the remark that Rachel said it too in front of them and no one else mentions anything about it. Or they, I think this is just at this point, they like completely have it out for Tanya and it's getting to the point where it's escalating in a very bad direction. Yeah. I I wouldn't say it's really bad for them though. For who? Well, it's not, it's a bad look, but like, in terms of, I mean, it's bad for Tanya. Well, yeah, no, it's not good at all for Tanya, but like gameplay wise, I don't think it's the worst thing for them to gang up because then like that can sort of focus the team's negative energy towards Tanya. Yeah. Well, they were already doing that anyway. I feel like, I feel like that was just happening. And so I, it's a terrible look. Like I, I've never liked bully stuff like this, and this stuff just drives me crazy. It's like we don't like Tanya, so let's just be, let's just treat her like crap. And knowing Tanya's history and knowing where she was coming from, like this is a really bad look in this episode for those women. The because of the issue with Veronica getting her tokens tangled up before she's able to put them in the bowl. And Derek falling off the course. The good guys crush the badasses in this. What helps the good guys is that they have one less player than the badasses. So Landon actually gets to go twice, which in some situations may be to a detriment for a team. But in this case is to the significant advantage of the good guys. And the final time is 27 minutes and 11 seconds for the good guys to 31 minutes and 37 seconds for the badasses. We get into the deliberation for each team and <clears throat> the good guys decide that they want to throw Abe in. Julie calls Abe histrionic. And I think this may not be the first time that she's called him that. And I think the first time that I saw this season or the first Inferno where I think she may have called Abe this then as well is the first time I had ever heard anyone use the word histrionic. So this was like, I don't know, maybe like seven years or so ago. And I looked it up then. And I think this is a very good way to describe Abe. 
It's an exaggerated, dramatic behavior designed to attract attention. And I think that completely sums up, Abe. See, I was using the term histrionic when I was in like fourth, fifth grade. That was like a key part of my vocabulary. Really? Yes. I think it's like sums up the way that Abe is like forced and contrived in a lot of his affect. See, I'm still not sure he's all that contrived. I think that's just the tone of his voice. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe it just comes off. Delivery sounds contrived, but I think a lot of it is more genuine than we've let on. For the badasses, CT, of course, likes the idea of voting in the Miz again. Uh, Abe and Dan say that they don't really want to vote for uh, the Miz because they like Mike. And Tina chimes back that, like, this, there's money on the line here. It doesn't really matter if they um, like someone or not. And I completely agree with Tina. Um, but Dan speaks up for the team. He kind of, like, gives some, like, sharp remark about, like, how they need to get on uh, the same page. And in my notes here, I have written down is Dan the MVP for this season because I feel like at this point for me he is MVP like most valuable character or sure okay like number one character so far from the season yeah okay um what do you think I was Miz is pretty impactful in the plot lines the the badass girls I think I get the most camera time but with the three of them it's sort of like divided between them. I Veronica just seemed to be the ringleader, but like the three of them all get a pretty equal weight. So it's kind of hard to give it to one of them. For the nomination, the badasses put in the Miz, the good guys vote in Abe and Mike alludes to that this will be a rematch of Gauntlet 1 where they went against each other in the elimination and the Miz sent home Abe. Tanya um, finally confronts Rachel, Veronica, and Tina about them confronting her, or not confronting her, but being um, confrontational towards her and picking on her. Uh, The three women try and deny that it's happening, of course. Um, And then it kind of ends with Tanya just walking away from the situation as we get into episode 10, where we have a top, like, guaranteed top five moment funny moment in the challenge history where everyone's at the club and before the moment happens Darrell has a really funny quote where he says everyone is swapping lips and smacking bellies which I have no idea what that means well I can imagine what that means but I think it's a funny like a funny way that he says it and then everyone is in the van headed ready to head back to the house after they've spent a night in the club and someone screams, give Brad a wedgie and the Miz gives Brad a wedgie in the van. And Brad initially, like, is I like kind of like going along with it and thinks it's funny. And he says, here we go. Now it's a necklace. Do you like that? And it's kind of like playing into with what's going on with everyone. And then like on like a moment's notice, just like spins on a dime and does a complete 180 with his emotions and says in his confessional later on, this is like maybe one of the funniest quotes, like in all of challenge history, he goes, it's taken time for me, me to realize, wow, this bloated son of a bitch just ripped my underwear out of my pants. And then I realize how angry I am about it and completely like snaps. And the good guys at first, like think he's like joking around and don't even think that he's like 
actually being serious with his anger towards the Miz for doing this. And Derek has a really funny confessional where he says, we're, too, we're we are too old to be giving each other wedgies, which coming from Derek is absolutely hilarious that he is looking down on other people for being more immature. But it continues to go back to, into the house where Brad is in a confrontation with the Miz. His knuckles are bleeding from like him, like pounding on, I think like the hood of the car, hood of the van before they go back to the house and Brad ends the situation with a quote of saying, congratulations, you're a meathead son, but you know what? Don't you ever put your hands on, or hands on your, on my bleeping underwear again. End quote. It's, it, it's hilarious. I the, just, the whole thing is just priceless. I mean, between him saying, don't put my, put your hands on my underwear again. That's brilliant. And I, I think from Brad's standpoint, so like, I'm having to put myself in his place. It starts off as just a funny joke. You're having a fun time. It's a fun night. Everybody's drinking. You're having a good time. And then your underwear comes over your head. And then you have the realization that that's going to be on national television. And I think that is what probably set Brad over the top was, hey, we were having fun. And normally I wouldn't get this angry. But then I realized it's going to be on TV and I'm going to look like a dumbass. The congratulations, you're a meathead son. <laughs> just like completely like caps it off. <laughs> oh, Devin, have you ever used that in like regular life or no? You're a meathead son? No, but I also think the uh, wow, this bloated son of a bitch just ripped my underwear out of my pants is absolutely hilarious. <laughs> that whole line. It's taken for time to, for me to realize, wow, this bloated son of a bitch just ripped my underwear out of my pants. And then I realize how angry I am about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he, was, he wasn't instantly angry. It takes him time to realize that he's angry. <laughs> and also, isn't it weird that son of a bitch is one word? Yeah. It isn't is that interesting. Odd? It is very odd. So if you had, if you had to guess... And both of you say uh, at the same time whether or not you think it's one or two words, and I'll count to three. The question is: Do you okay, think why every are those time the only two options? Yes, it's it's one or two. One or two. Do you, okay. Do you think every time is one or two words? Three, two, one. One. Yeah. I think it's Wrong. two. It's two. It's so weird that it's two words because there are so many other words that start with every. And then, like, another, like, uh, syllable that's one word. Yeah, well, there's a lot that aren't, though. Yeah, because, like, every is a word. But it just sounds like it should go together. Well, sure, but plenty of things go together. They don't have to be the same thing. But that just gets to the point that I do not understand why son of a bitch is one word. You're not wrong. It's so weird spelling. Word like if it's hyphenated, I can understand it. But no, it's S O N. Like it's S O N O F A B I T C H. Like if you look it up, it's actually all of that. Oh, it's an expression. I don't know. It's odd. It's kind of like how SmackDown got uh, added to the dictionary at some point. Do Do you think like there will be a push in the modern day for daughter of a bitch then to be a word as well? Should be. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't think that was the goal of the movement, but. All right. Challenge. Challenge for this episode is what a drag. Um, this one is kind of cool. I like this one. The object of the challenge is to start at one end of this long road where you get into a car and your object is to go from one end of the course to the other end of the course as fast as you can and cross the finish line. But once you cross the finish line, maybe about a foot, uh, let's call it three feet past the finish line, there is a wall of margarita glasses. And after you cross the finish line, if you run into the wall of margarita glasses, you are disqualified and you will receive the slowest time plus five minutes. So you want to be able to finish as fast as you can, but not so fast that you cross the line and run into the glasses. So this one's pretty simple. Um, I thought it was fine. Um, yeah, I thought it, was it, ta- it takes a bit long. I thought it was hilarious that CT is smoking a cigarette in the car. Oh, that, while that, he that part was, that was funny. With the flag, too, hanging out the window. That was outstanding. Yeah. When CT goes, he <clears throat> gets in the car. He's smoking a cigarette. He starts the car. And I guess we should say when CT first tries to go, the car breaks because initially they have two cars and there's a member of each team going against each other. But after CT goes, there's only one car left. So they have to do it one at a time. And when CT goes, he's smoking a cigarette and holding a flag outside of the window as he drives down the road. It's outstanding. Okay. We have a lot of um, album art options for this one. There really are. This has been a great stretch. You have a line of people changing clothes. Uh, (laughs) It sounds a lot worse (laughs) when you say it like that. (laughs) It sounds worse. (laughs) <laughs> Man, this is going to be our first already episode. We have Devin. We might actually have to mark one. an explicit tag yeah. on this episode. <laughs> I mean, Devin's trips to the brothels in Tijuana. Like that, that, that alone, I think, is going to bump us up a little bit. What's funny about this is CT wins the life shield. You yeah, do CT wins the life shield six out of eight times this season? Is that what if there yeah. was anyone in this season that I felt like would do well on this particular challenge, it definitely was CT. I mean, he looks like he looks like he should be in a biker gang with the outfits he's wearing this season too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just needs to throw on a leather jacket. Just knowing he... some of the dudes from that area of Massachusetts where I lived in high school, like this does not shock me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How does he end up with the biker gloves? I don't get this. These are the same gloves that he wears. Well, but in he brought like intro. I... He brought like, the the, the dark tank top and the chain and the sunglasses. Like he, it was part of the outfit. Yeah, I, I think that's just CT. <laughs> do you think they gave him this outfit, or do you think he came no, up with he this brought, outfit? Oh, he totally he brought, brought that. He definitely yeah. brought that. But I feel like the gloves are a leap. Like, what, like, would make you, like, think... He's CT, like, man. Like, he, he brings, he wears gloves. Yeah. He also wears denim kimonos, too. Yeah, so it's just part of his vibe. CT, man. <laughs> now, he, now he wears those little, um, now he's got the, the new beret hats he, he's wearing all the time. CT wins the life shield for the badasses and the Miz wins the life shield for the good guys, which means the Miz will not be going into the elimination against Abe. And after the challenge, when it comes time for the Miz to decide who will go into elimination in his stead, it is decided that they will draw out of a hat, a list of 
a name from the three remaining men between Daryl, Landon, and Darrell, Landon, and Brad for who will go into the elimination. And Brad's name is drawn. And as we go into the Inferno, Inferno, Brad and now or the Miz announces that Brad will be the one that will go into elimination. And this is, I think at this point, this is probably Rob, wouldn't you say the most commonly played elimination game of all time? Yeah, this one, pole wrestle hall brawl. Those are kind of the three that come immediately to mind as being really commonly played. The out of those, this one's probably my favorite though. But the object of the game is that you have to stand outside a circle that is drawn in the ground. And there is a barrel that is placed in the middle of the circle. And one player will stand outside of the circle that is drawn on the ground. And the other player will stand on the inside of the circle on the ground. And when Dave Mira gives the signal, the player on the outside of the circle has to take a ball and try and put it into the barrel in the middle of the circle. And if you are taken to the ground or you if you are forced outside of the circle when you have the ball and are trying to get it into the barrel, that like try is ended as a fail. If you make it into the barrel, you get one point. And each contestant, Brad and Abe, get five tries. So it's whoever can score the most after their five tries. And Rob, I know that you said that you enjoyed this one quite a bit, so I'll let you take it away. Well, just it's it's just an outstanding elimination to watch. I, I honestly think this is the first physical elimination really in challenge history, one that's physical and entertaining to watch. Like before this, people talk about like the Miz and Abram one, but I don't I don't think that's that one's not compared physical. To, no, that one doesn't compare at all to this. It was probably the best elimination before this, though. I don't even know about that. Uh, I don't know. It's not, a, it's not a high bar to clear. I'm not saying like it's okay, like you, great. I, I, like, I quite enjoyed. No, no. The best elimination before this, and it might even be better than this one, is the uh, Kendall Leo one. From, I was from going now. to say that just because yeah. of the where David Burns jumps in, jumps in nude and midway through the elimination. But that's because of like the theatrics that go on around it. <laughs> yeah, but that's that, that's like half of eliminations, man. Even yeah, with this hard. one, a lot of the a lot of the awesome part of elimination is just seeing how much the team is rooting on for their competitor. Yeah. And it's like a you don't great get battle. that all the time in these eliminations, but like the, 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 these teams clearly care about the person that's an elimination for them. I don't I care what Brad. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, the only thing I, I was going to say that gets me with this particular elimination is I feel like, and they've done this on like future seasons, is you alternate offense defense instead of just one guy goes five and the next guy goes five. Because I feel like Brad is it a disadvantage because Abram's coming at him like a freight train five straight times and he's pretty tired from playing defense and now he's got to go on offense. Like I, I, it's not probably not much of an advantage, but it's enough of one for Abe that I'm like, man, I wish they had alternated. No, that's, de- I definitely I agree. agree with that. That's yeah. A I think, point. I think it takes much more energy to play defense in situations like this than it does to play offense. I know I go the other way. You think it takes more energy to play offense? Um, no way, dude. I would say like, defense as well, no, yeah, because I mean... Well, I, actually, I, I think I phrased that incorrectly. It's way more taxing, I guess, to play defense. Yeah, yeah but, I agree. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, never mind. I was thinking about it in the wrong terminology. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, and I don't the, know... One thing Brad I noticed is- real, real quick with this one, too, I noticed the circle is drawn really, like, tight in this one yeah. compared to other times they play this. Yeah. There is not much runway. Like, if you look at when they played it on free agents or invasion, there's a lot more space for them to run at the other person. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just don't have a lot of room, I think. And I don't know what Brad is doing. Like when Abe comes at Brad, he's not like getting low. Like when he like tries to like tackle him, like he's like like almost like standing. He's not standing straight up, but he's not like getting low, and like he's just getting like rocked by Abram, like repeatedly going back. Yeah, and it's not yeah that part of it too. You he's just really upright. He's like. He's like when you're trying to teach like a seven-year-old how to play defense in basketball and they don't get the concept of like getting low and moving your feet quickly. They just kind of stand straight up. That's the move he's got going on right now. And Abe gets two points like immediately because of this. After which Brad forces Abe to the Abe to the ground and then Abe gets his third point. And then I think Brad forces him out of the circle, maybe on his fifth try. So well, he forces him out in the fourth, and then Abram makes the fifth one. Got it. Okay, so Abe gets a total of three points in his tries out of his five tries, and then Brad on his—I have no idea what what he was thinking here—but on his first possession for his tries, so the first out of his five tries, Brad like takes like a fadeaway, like Carl Malone off like one foot. <laughs> It just like throws the ball in the air. Like, I, like had he like not seen like what an effective way to like play this game is? Well, to be fair, this is the first time this is done, and this mm-hmm. has been tried multiple times. This elimination has been played. He's not the only person to do this. Yeah, the only Isaac time I can remember it the working worst is that it, ever did this. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. The only time I can remember it working is when the two Ashleys went at it on Champs versus Pros, and Smashley um, just shot it as Ashley Kelsey was like tackling her, and it went in. This one wasn't even remotely close, though. No, it was not. Brad immediately abandons this strategy, scores on his second possession, and then on his third possession, loses the ball. His fourth possession ends in a point. And on, on his last attempt to tie Abe, they fight around the barrel. Brad reaches over Abe to put the ball in the barrel, throws the ball, hits the rim and goes out and Abe wins the elimination. Yeah, it's great elimination. I mean, you've got to, if there is such a thing as a challenge hall of fame, like Abe and Brad are both in it. Can we say that? Yeah. Well, how strict of a hall of fame are we having? We have, I mean, we have a big, we have a big hall. We do not have a small hall. We have, a it's big not hall. a small fail, but you would, you could make the argument for both of them, even if it's a small one. Um, yeah, you definitely could. You could make an argument. And so, like, this I is the first time that these – these, Yeah, these two guys, it's the first time they went one-on-one, and they showed – the they really showed that what elimination would be. Like, this is, like, the norm now on the show, what we saw in this elimination. So, you know, kudos to those two guys. It sucks for Brad because this was back when you didn't make all that much money unless you won the final. So kind of sucks for him. You still didn't but. even make all that much money if you did win the final, to be fair. <laughs> That's also for, true after taxes. That's a good idea for an episode for us to do at some point is a challenge hall of fame episode. And who would be, who would we put in the challenge hall of fame? That, who would, that, be, could, that would get very heated. It who would, would get be, heated. This, this is a good question. So who in your mind, like without like thinking very much, like what type of player would be the last person that you would have in? Well, we're talking, oh, oh Lord. But like, is it like, are we talking when we do a challenge hall of fame, is this being classified as characters or competitors? I think combined. it's all, I think it's combined because there are great I, well, characters, characters and there are great competitors. Has, no, but I think it should be characters because 
you have to have some level of competitive ability to be a good character either, or else you won't hang around. I think it's I think it's all of the above. Yeah. I think you have to be entertaining, you have to be a good competitor, and you actually have to have a track record for actually winning the challenge. Uh, that's well, because I mean, I there are people there are people that have not won that deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but because the character and their competitiveness was so good, they just couldn't win the big one. I mean, that that's I mean that's Dan Marino's career. Like Katie Doyle is probably in the Challenge Hall of Fame. And she's oh, okay. probably see, yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. I don't think yeah. Katie's in the Hall of Fame. Really? Ooh. Is it a character? She like carries like she's like the focal point of like two seasons. Is she the focal point of two seasons? In front of one, definitely. But like, I don't know how much of a focal point she is. I think the the team is just trying to in get front rid of her. one. The well, Inferno okay, one okay, is all okay, about okay, we're trying I'll, to get rid of At that Katie. point, then, is Big Easy in the Challenge Hall of Fame? No. Uh, no, absolutely not. But see, he's never been entertaining. Katie, at least, when she gets in fights, People is think so entertaining. They have bad opinions. Sorry. I think when people talk about that, like, I think it's just such a hard... I think that's why that's it's a, a great crack. heated conversation, you know, like, like just the qualification. Like, we'll qual- like we ha- we'd have to come down with like this is. I think what we would have to do, we have to come up with a percent of competitors we'd want, like the top eight percent, and then go based on that. So we have an objective criteria we have to reach. Because I feel like I would anger a lot of people by saying I don't think Evelyn belongs in the Challenge Hall of Fame. Oh, th- and th- that yeah, that, that's an absurd so opinion. That's an absurd opinion. She's a, a first class member. And see, I disagree completely. How, how can you say Katie should be in the Hall of Fame and Evelyn shouldn't? Like, what's the basis for that argument? Because Evelyn has one great character season, and that's the island. She has multiple great character seasons. Uh, she's, she's the she. You could argue she's the biggest female character on multiple seasons. Uh, Rivals, you could say easily say she's a central female character. She is, is but that's not her best season. Like, yes, yeah, she won. Like, she I, won. Well, you can only have one best season. Her best season really was the island, though. It was that I don't, I don't disagree, but she was the multiple, the female focal point. Devin, Devin, seasons. Rob just said something good about the island. I didn't say anything good about it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, objectively her best season. That's not like a. a we haven't talked game. about the island in a while. Thank God. <laughs> you know, that's why I'm saying it would get heated because I don't think she deserves to be. In that, that, she, that's an absurd opinion. Like, then there's no basis for that. Mm. This should be. You can this argue she's the number one female. No. This should be. This should be the next um, after our female is competitor. Well, I thought we're going to female than male. Yeah, well, we can figure it out. So, and I guess this kind of leads us into the wrap up, wrap up for this episode. We've done the voting, and you, I think you can still vote, right, Rob? Yeah, you can still vote. It's still up for best female competitors in challenge history. Which this you can is vote. not character based. This is strictly performance based. This yes, that is strictly performance based. And where can they do this, Rob? If you, uh, I would assume we'd have the link on the podcast, but also if you just go to my Medium account, that's Medium at Vandalay Inc. Sixteen. Go there, and then the poll should be one of the first stories up. Yep, and the link for it will be uh, in the last episode and in this episode of the show notes of the podcast. What were our? And I guess my point about that was that that's what we're doing for our next kind of aside from the recaps that we've uh, done to this point. Um, and so we can figure out if we want to do like a challenge hall of fame episode 
at some point in time as well. The, Trace, that's still an absurd opinion. Like I, I like that, that, <laughs> I've that, got Rob heated now. <laughs> no, I'm not even. Not, I don't. I, know I, I don't think we should. Get, we should almost do this for our next one and just like hold the female competitors to. Uh, we, 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 we could actually do that, but we'd have to. Would we vote on that, or is that just us determining it? Us. Uh, we could vote too. I think people would be all over that. Yeah. If we, how would we vote do the voting for that? We could come up with something. There's a. Um, way. But. What are we? Oh, what was our takeaway from episodes five through ten of Inferno Two? Wildly entertaining. Like even when the even the couple episodes where the challenges are eh, they're still entertaining. Like there's still good character stuff going on. Um, overall, this is a great rewatch. I love this season. I loved it before this rewatch, and it still holds up as a great rewatch for me so far. I think the characters are really what shines what shines about this season so far. Some of the missions definitely aren't the best. I, I actually don't mind them as much as you guys seem to. But I think the characters, for, pretty much every character on the season, except for a few of the good guy girls, really stands out. Yeah, I mean, I don't think these episodes were as good as the first four that we saw. I think there is something compelling. I think you can make the argument they're better. Uh, I don't know. The first four were dynamite. I don't know. Like, yeah. I don't know I if it was just like. I think the like, competitive aspect is much better on these ones. I don't know if it was us just like coming off the heels of Battle of the Sexes 2 and the train wreck that that was. <laughs> well, I mean, pop culture bike jump. I mean, come on, man. It's quality. Well, even the Battle of the Sexes 2 final, if we're counting finals as a mission, that, that's a bottom tier mission. The final was awful. <laughs> The first season, the first challenge on Cutthroat was harder than that final. There's a lot of missions that are harder than that final. Yeah. There have been, yeah. I kind of want to, like, look up the challenges for Battle of the Sexes 2 right now. So we had Dangle Drop. Lord. (laughs) A third of this episode is just talking about how bad these missions are. Snake pit Melt poker. With you. Which one was bombs away? Wasn't that the one where they had to eat the food and then like exploded? Yeah, that was that one. Yeah, yeah. Eat the food and exploded. Remember they had to eat the food. It was like a <laughs> jar of mayonnaise for one. One was like oh, fruit. yeah. And right, it was so, like the, the the signs of the people and they exploded. So to this point, none of these are worse than um. None of these are worse than most that, of the missions from Battle of the Sexes too. None. None of these are. Or none of the the ones that I've just named are worse than that like balance beam challenge. Like what was that challenge even called? Do we even know? Like dangle drop? I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, no uh, Inferno two. It was um in Inferno two. The one that we like the close the close yep. mission. The close mission. None of these are worse than that. So junk boat high noon. Which high noon was junk better? Boat. Filler up. Which one's filler up? Um, man. Somebody is screaming at the their their yeah. I'm, this right is now. enthralling radio. I'm sure. Wing, electroshock, electroshock was better. Then we get to pop culture bike jump. All can see uh. that that might be worse. <laughs> Shredder was better. Cast a spell was actually pretty good. Yeah. Semi cross. Which one was semi cross? Oh, that's no. That, that one's good. That's where they cross the cars. On the yeah, 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 yeah. That was the one. I, the the one where the guys throw that was terrible. Yeah, that oh, one was the, the one where they like fell off the beam or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But at least something was going on with it. You know what I mean? Well, but sure, but like... Nothing was, was going on with this mission. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I think there were some decent takeaways from it. I thought it was funny. Okay, Rachel. 
Well, but like the, the Dan, Dan throw Dan throw to being a terrible strategist. Yeah, you have Veronica after the mission demanding that they take some lesson from this mission. <laughs> Dave Mira clearly having no idea what was going on with anything. He just gets a few cue cards and that's it. <laughs> so it was called "Shirt Off My Back." That's uh, yeah. I think that's right. a great place. Let's get this shirt off our back and wrap this up. <laughs> so if you want to find all of our episodes, you can go to our website at thechallengechronicles.podbean.com. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a rating and review there as well. You can reach out to us with any listener email questions or feedback at thechallengechronicles at gmail.com. And listen to us next time that you hear the rest of our thoughts on the last segment of episodes for Inferno 2. Talk to you then.